Good morning again, once again, ch- good morning once again, church. Please uh, turn with me in your Bibles. If you have your Bible, turn there with me. If you have your phone or your iPad, tap there with me. For some weird reason, you have your laptop with you this morning, click there with me. Whatever it takes to get you to 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to be in verses 6 to 8. This morning, normally at Rock Prairie Church, we practice something called expository preaching, which is just a fancy way to say that we start at the beginning of a book of the Bible, chapter 1, verse 1, and we work our way verse by verse to the end. That's what we usually do. Uh, This month, we're going to do something a little bit different uh, because it is Mission Month. This week is the first week of Mission Month. It's weird. Not a single person wished me a happy Mission Month when I came in this morning. That's okay. You can do better next week. But uh, it's Mission Month, which is slightly different than Missions Month, which we did back in August. Because this month we're talking about the mission of our church, which, uh, what is the mission of our church? I'm going to ask you to say it. First service did amazing at this. I want to see if you can do as well as they did. The mission of Rock Prairie Church is to make Christ known from our neighbors to the nations. Very good, everybody. Give yourselves a round of applause. That was fantastic. Good job. So missions plural, is a part of the mission, singular, of our church. So we will talk about missions, plural, this month. I hope I'm confusing you as much as possible. We will talk about missions this month, uh, but we are going to talk about the mission of our church. So that's what we're going to be doing for the month of May. Very excited to do that. And so uh, before we jump into 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, please bow your heads with me and I will pray that the Lord will help us in this time. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you once again for the privilege that it is uh, to be together and to study your word, uh, for the privilege it is for me to preach your word this morning. I pray that you would give me both a boldness and a humility as we look to your word to see what it has for us and that we would have hearts that are able to receive it by your spirit, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we begin Mission Singular Month, we're actually going to start in a different place than usual, which is we're going to talk about discipleship. This morning, we're going to talk about discipleship. Because when you think about evangelism and missions, the things that God has called us to do to spread the word of Christ, to make him known from our neighbors to the nations, we have to start with this realization and this understanding that there actually has been a lot of damage done by people who, with, sometimes with good intentions, sometimes with not so good intentions, but by people who are proclaiming in the name of Jesus, there are times when great damage has been done in the name of Jesus. Now, this is not a new problem. It's not something that just happens today, although it definitely does happen today. It's happened basically since the church began. The book of 1 Timothy, which we're going to be in this morning, is a letter written by Paul to a young pastor named... Uh, No, Timothy, actually. Sorry, Andy. Timothy is written by Paul to a young pastor named Timothy. And in this letter, he's giving him uh, practical wisdom for what does it mean to lead and pastor the church. And he's also giving warning after warning about false teaching. The ministry context that Timothy is ministering in, there is a lot of false teaching going on. And Paul is warning him about them. And in 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul tells Timothy, he says, Wage the good warfare... Holding faith and a good conscience. He says, by rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may not learn to blaspheme. Yikes. 
That's strong language, isn't it? Imagine, I mean, he, didn't, he, he named it by name. He didn't just say some have made a shipwreck of their faith and then he went on to name names. Imagine if your name is in Scripture for all time as somebody who made a shipwreck of their faith. I don't know about you. I hope it's true of you. It's true of me. I don't want to be somebody who is known as having made a shipwreck of their faith. But you see it over and over again, don't you? Churches both large and small that collapse in a big flame or just slowly die out. Places overseas where rampant false teaching like the prosperity gospel is just spreading like wildfire or missionaries who have to come off the field because of burnout or moral failing or lack of support. And, and when you narrow it down, I'm kind of dumping a bucket of cold water on Missions Month before we even begin, right? But when you narrow it down, when we think about ministries that have actually done great damage in the name of Jesus, I think there's kind of two categories that they fall in. They either get their doctrine wrong or they're living wrong. They either mess up, they don't have sound doctrine or they don't have right living. You need those two things. So church, I just got to say, from the very beginning, as we talk about our mission, as we talk about the things that we're called to do, that Jesus is calling us to, that by God's grace, we're going to be able to accomplish, that by God's grace, we are going to see people who live right here in Tipton and in this county who don't know Jesus come to faith in Jesus Christ and go from death to life because of the ministry, of the faithfulness, of the preaching of the gospel and teaching of this church. Like, praise the Lord. Like, Lord willing, that will continue to be true. And Lord willing, there will be people at the ends of the earth who have never had the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus before. Because, who, because we have sent out people from among our body, they will be able to hear the name of Jesus and they will respond in faith. Praise God. Like, Lord willing, that's what we want. But if we don't get our doctrine right, and we don't get our holiness right, we can have no expectations that God will use us to those ends. And so that's why we're going to be talking about that this morning. How to, can we be a church of faithful disciples who make faithful disciples? That's what I want. That's what I want us to be. Church, I'd rather be a church of 10 faithful disciples than a thousand lukewarm Christians. How can we be a church of faithful disciples who make faithful disciples. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So the rest of our time this morning, we're going to do two things. We're going to talk about that from 1 Timothy. How can we be a church of faithful disciples who make faithful disciples? And then at the end of our time, we're going to announce some changes that we're making in order for us as a church to best accomplish this. So if you've been paying attention, I've been for the last I don't know, eight months, <laughs> we've been hinting at changes that are coming, right? We've been asking you to pray, we've been asking you to participate via focus groups, and we uh, have been kind of slowly saying, all right, some changes are coming. Well, guess what? This morning, we're finally going to announce what those changes are, okay? But that's going to be at the end of the sermon. You have to be good and listen to the sermon if you want me to announce the changes that are coming. Just kidding, I'm going to say them no matter what, even if you're not good. Anyways, that's where we're going this morning. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be a church of faithful disciples who make faithful disciples, and we're going to talk about how are we going to do that together as a church. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. Very good. So how to be a faithful disciple. What does that mean? Look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. It says this, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, 
Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. We see two things in this passage of what it means to be a faithful disciple. First, faithful disciples immerse themselves in the word. So if you want to be a faithful disciple, you need to immerse yourself in the word. Verse 6, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. What's happening here? What's the context? Paul is talking as a missionary to a pastor, right, who said that Paul is equipping Timothy to lead the church that he's been called to lead. And he says, if you, as a pastor, continually preach the truth about God to the congregation, you will be a faithful brother. So in other words, the way to be a good pastor is to faithfully and rightly and regularly explain God's word to the church. That's my job. That is like the key function of my job. And thank goodness for that, right? Sometimes people think the job of a pastor is to always have good advice and to know what to do in every situation so that whenever I go to the pastor, he'll just always be able to tell me what to do. That's not me. You don't want that to be me. I can barely give good advice to Emily about where we should go to eat on a Friday night. That's not my role. My role is, however, if you come to me with something and say, well, let's look at what God's word has to say about that. And faithfully and regularly and rightly explain the word of God. Paul says, if you do that, if you put the word of God before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. You don't want Pastor Mike's opinions on things. You want God's word, what it has to say. And then Paul gives a reason why he has confidence in Timothy's ability to do this. So you think about all these false teachers who are putting a word before the brothers and they're leading them astray. But Paul says, if you put the word the right word before the brothers, you'll be faithful. So why is Paul confident in Timothy's ability to do this? Second half of verse 6, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Now, if you have a different, raise your hand if you have a different version than the ESV, if you're looking at a different ver- version. If it doesn't say trained, right, somebody call it, what word do you have there? It says what? Being nourished. That is, in my opinion, a much better translation of that particular word. The word trained shows up later in this passage in the ESV, and it's actually a different Greek word that it's translating. What he's talking about is being nourished in the word of God and in the good doctrine that you follow. He's saying because you've been nourished, because you've so immersed yourself, because you've been feeding on the word of God, I have full confidence that you will be able to teach the church the right ways of God. So the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if I... Us pastors are nourishing ourselves, immersing ourselves in the Word. We might think, Pastor Mike, you're a pastor. I'm not. What does that have to do with me? Church, it has everything to do with you. If you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? You're in ministry. Did you know that? You don't just get to, well, I just uh, pay my tithe and the pastors take care of all the ministry. It's not how it works, church. You're in ministry Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 that the leaders of the church have been given to the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Raise your hand if you're a saint. That's all of you if you're a follower of Jesus. Go ahead, I'll give you another chance. Raise your hand if you're a saint. Yeah. So our job as leadership in the church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, which means you have work of ministry to do. So if you're in ministry, you need to be immersed in the word on a regular basis. It needs to be your food. You need to be nourished by it. 
you know what you call someone who only eats one meal a week? Malnourished, right? Skinnier than me, and not in a good way. What would you call someone who only feasts on the Word of God one day a week on Sunday morning in church? Spiritually malnourished. That's true. I'm just not like trying to. I'm not like trying to like just guilt you into reading the Bible. But I also don't feel guilty because if I had somebody that I came across and they're only eating one meal a week, I would tell them you should eat more, and I wouldn't feel guilty about saying that. Ah, you know, I really think it might be good for you to maybe eat one other time. No, hey, eat something, right? And that's what I want to say as your pastor. Don't starve yourself of what God has for you, of the nourishment that he has for you. Feed yourself on the word regularly, faithfully. Man, you know what kind of prey a predator goes after first? The malnourished ones, the ones who can't run away fast. Feed yourself on the word. Make sure you're being nourished in it. Immerse yourself in God's word. If not, you might just be in danger of making a shipwreck of your faith. Feed on the word, church. It is good food. If you don't desire it, ask that the Lord would give you a desire. We all go through those times. I go through those times. I just don't desire it. I don't want to pick it up. I open it. It feels like there's nothing for me. We all have those times. What do we do? Ask the Lord. Lord, Lord, I confess I don't have a desire to be in your word right now. Give me that desire. Fill me with it. When I'm not in your word, make me hunger for it more, God. Make me long for it. Immerse yourself in the word, church. That's the first way to be a faithful disciple. Here's the second way to be a faithful disciple. Train for godliness. Verse 7. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Two things I want to call your attention to briefly in these verses. First, the idea of train yourself for godliness. It doesn't say coast your way to godliness, right? Cross your fingers and hope that you make it to godliness. No. Train yourself for godliness. If you're not intentional about it, you're not just going to wake up and realize, whoa, I'm pretty godly. I don't know what happened there. How to train yourself for godliness. This is kind of what Pastor Jerry was talking about last week, right? We talked about Pastor Craig doing that crazy race where he's trying to try to run five miles straight up a mountain. It's nuts. The other day on a staff meeting, he came in. He was complaining because the treadmill he was on, the grade didn't go up high enough. Like, man, I, when I'm on the treadmill, I want to go downhill. I can't even imagine complaining that it doesn't go uphill enough. But it's his desire to run this race. And so what's he got to do? Train himself, right? He's not just going to roll off the couch and be able to run five miles straight up a mountain. I have Emily Summers uh, just qualified for the Boston Marathon. That's unbelievable. She didn't just wake up one morning and decide that that was going to happen. It's a training, right? It doesn't just happen. It takes intentionality. And the same is true in your walk with the Lord, church. We all want to think we'll be able to withstand opposition or fatigue distractions, other threats to our faith. We want to think that when those things come, we'll just be able to power through. If you're not training yourself for godliness, you're not going to get there. It takes work. So it's an intentionality. That's the first thing I want you to see. And you know what? It's harder than running up a mountain, (laughs) not easier. So if it feels difficult, that means you're doing the right thing. 
Train yourself for godliness. And then the second thing I want to see not is, is what we're called to train for. Train yourself for what? I just said it. Train yourself for what? I just said it. Godliness, right? Very good. There we go. Train yourself for godliness, not just knowledge. Isn't that interesting? Not just train yourself so you can learn as much as possible, although knowledge is good. It's necessary. Not just understanding or wisdom. Train yourself for godliness so that you'll know the word and do what it says. Train yourself to be holy. That's what he's saying. Train yourself to have your heart transformed to be more like Jesus. When a runner's training, they measure themselves based on how fast they were going and how far they could go before, right? The more you train, the faster you can go, the farther you can go. Same thing is true in your walk with the Lord. Your measure as a Christian isn't just how much you know, but it's how much you're living out what you know. You should be growing in knowledge. You should know more, but you should be living it out more and more as well. So you should be asking these kinds of questions. Am I holier now than I was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 75 years ago for some of you who've been walking with the Lord your entire lives for a very long time? hope the answer is yes. Is my heart more tender to the ways of the Lord? Am I listening to him more? Am I trusting him more? Do I desire to be in the word more? When I'm not with my church family, do I miss them more than I used to? All these things. Train yourself, yes, for knowledge, yes, for understanding, but train yourself ultimately for godliness, for these things that we know to impact the way that we live. That's what he says, because it has value not only in the present life, but also in the life to come. That's the kind of church we want to be, a church that is so just immersed in the Word, just feeding on the Word, nourishing ourselves in the Word, and training ourselves for godliness. You might be thinking, you might look at yourself in the mirror right now and be like, oof, I got a long way to go. That's okay. <laughs> got to start somewhere. Don't just say, oh, I'm going to just blow it off. I can never get there. You can get there. Train yourself. Put in the work. All right, so what does that mean for our church then? How are we going to do this as a church? What does this mean for Rock Prairie? Well, as we've undergone this uh, season of strategic planning as a church, we've been, can become convinced that we need to do a better job overall of giving every member of our church an opportunity to grow deeper in, the, in their walk with the Lord. Not to say that discipleship hasn't happened. Not to say that countless people in our church haven't grown deeper in their walk with the Lord. The Lord has borne much fruit among us and it's been so amazing to see in my time here in the three years and in the many, many years before I got here. So it's not to discount all those things, but we feel like we can do a better job of the way that we make opportunities to grow available to everyone. And so this morning, we're going to, I'm going to announce here the strategy that we feel the Lord is calling us to in this next season at Rock Prairie. And before we just come out and say it, I want to just say a few principles that guided us as we prayed about this, as we talked about this, as we debated about this, and as we planned for what this would look like. The first principle that really guided us in this is that we believe biblically that knowing Christ deeply, which is what we want for everyone, involves three components biblically, prayer, discipleship, and fellowship. And so whatever we move forward with here needs to include those three components. We cannot forego prayer for the sake of fellowship. We can't forego fellowship for the sake of discipleship. We can't forego discipleship for the sake of prayer, and on and on it goes. We need to have all these three things. This is biblically what it means to know Christ deeply. Prayer, discipleship, and fellowship. That was the first principle that guided us. 
The second principle that guided us was that we feel like there's kind of a couple different populations in our church. We have many people in our church. We are blessed, church. We have many people in our church who are highly involved, who are involved in discipleship, who are involved in serving, and are involved, just very much involved in the church. And we can't just throw another thing on top of the people who are already doing many, many things. But we also have a lot of people in our church who aren't as involved, and maybe it's because they don't know how to get involved. And so whatever we did, we needed to make allowance and understanding for the people who are super involved already, as well as the people who are having a little bit more trouble getting involved. You might remember, uh, probably not, but I, I gave the analogy of poker chips when the Taylor Corral was here a couple, I don't know, a couple months ago and uh, said that everyone has a certain number of poker chips that represent our time. I even had planned to pass out poker chips to everyone and then I forgot them in my office and it didn't happen. But anyway, so we said everyone has a certain amount of poker chips that represent their time and every time we ask somebody to be involved in something in the church, it's like we're asking them to hand over a, a portion of their time. And so we can't just expect everyone to just throw in all their poker chips, and then make them feel guilty when they don't have any more, right? We need to be careful about that. And so that's the second principle that guided us, is not just to clean you out of chips, but we want to make sure that it's crystal clear that if you're a part of Rock Prairie Church, you know what's expected of you, and you know exactly you're empowered to live out your part in fulfilling the mission of our church. That, that was number two. Third, number three, is this one's really exciting to me, that we need to be prepared to equip people at every single level of their faith journey who are excited to grow. Whether they've literally just became a Christian or whether they've been walking with the Lord for many years. We need to be ready to equip every single person if they're hungry to grow. We can't do much for people who aren't hungry to grow, right? But if somebody wants to grow... We talked about the fact that if we, we want to see people come to know Jesus, right? Amen? Can I get an amen to that? We want to see that. But what if we were super successful in that? What if we had like 30 brand new believers all of a sudden come through the doors of our church? Would we be ready to disciple them and say, these are the next steps that you're called to take? If we're just like brutally honest right now, we wouldn't be prepared for that at all. And we need to be ready for that, right? If we say this is our mission, we need to be ready to be successful in that mission. And so that's the third thing, is that we want to make sure that whatever level somebody's at, if they want to grow, we are ready to throw fuel on that fire that the Spirit is working in them and say, this is how you can grow. Does that make sense? That's number three. Here's number four, before I finally just get to it. Like, come on, Pastor Mike, just get to it already. I'm getting there. Here's number four, is that this isn't just a new program that we're announcing this morning, but this truly represents what I believe to be a major culture shift of our church, which means that we're hoping that every single member of Rock Prairie Church is going to be a part of what I'm about to announce here. So I want you to, to encourage you as you're sitting there, as we talk about these things over the next couple minutes, don't be thinking, is this for me or not, but be thinking, how am I going to be involved in this? Sound good? All right. You ready for me to just get to it? Okay, here we go. So what we're announcing this morning is that beginning in September, we are going to be starting the Foundations Discipleship Hour. You see the slide there, the graphic, on Sunday mornings from 9.15 to 10.15. So like I said, when we started these conversations, we asked the question, how can we do more discipleship without requiring more time? Yet another night for people when we're also going to be talking to you about how to reach out and love your neighbors and share your faith and how to care for the nations and all these things. And yet to, to require more and more time, it just doesn't work. We feel like this is the best time 
to do that. After talking to many of you, we feel like Sunday mornings from 9.15 to 10.15 is a time that pretty much everyone in our church, if you're already coming to church at 10.30, pretty much everyone in our church has this time available. So that's the when. Sunday mornings, 9.15 to 10.15. What is it? You might be thinking to yourself, Pastor Mike, sounds like you just reinvented Sunday school. Right? I never said we were like super creative. I didn't say it was going to be. But it is a little bit different. So you're half right, okay? The main difference is that the Foundation's Discipleship Hour is going to be operating on a rotating two-month schedule. This is where I need you really to all pay very close attention. We have a slide here that's going to explain this. So we're going to be alternating every two months between discipleship classes and life groups. So on Sunday mornings, 9.15 in September and October, we're going to be offering discipleship classes. In November and December, we're going to be offering life groups on Sunday mornings at 9.15 here at the church. January, February, discipleship classes will take place at Sunday mornings, 9.15. March and April, life groups will take place at what time? Hey, good job. We're already catching on. This is amazing. 9.15 to 10.15 in May and June, discipleship classes, and we'll probably take July and August off and then start back up in September and October. Why are we doing it like this? Why not just offer classes for people? The reason, again, has to do with a couple of things. First of all, because we believe that prayer, discipleship, and fellowship all need to be a part of our growth in the Lord. We feel like the discipleship component is going to take place mostly in those discipleship classes. The prayer and fellowship is going to be taking place in those life groups. So if we did only discipleship classes, we encouraged everyone to be a part, well then, probably in a couple months, we'd realize, man, there's not much fellowship going on here at the church. And fellowship, let's be honest, that's our strength. I mean, that's our strength as a church, the way we love one another and support one another and care for one another. So we didn't want to just like toss all that out. Instead, we feel like this is the best way to do this for actually a number of reasons. But that's what the schedule is going to look like. So every two months, it will rotate between discipleship classes and life groups. See where I'm at? I'm kind of not paying attention to my notes here. All right. Um, also, this is what also is exciting to me, is that we're going to have a natural new beginning point for new people to constantly be getting plugged in to our church. This is a hard thing for us with the way we currently do it right now. We kind of, the way we do it right now, we have our life groups, right? And they kind of go from September to like April, maybe beginning of May. Some that go through the summer. But like if there's newer people that come to our church and we just keep, kept on doing it the same way, and they want, they're excited, they want to get plugged in. It's like, how do I get plugged in? It's like, well, if you wait like three months, then you can get, we'll start up life groups again. That's not okay, right? In fact, we've had new people that have come to our church that want to get plugged in, and they have ended up leaving because they just didn't know how that they were going to be able to get plugged into people. And so oh, we've plugged into relationships with people. So we don't want that. So this is going to give us actually an opportunity to, um, to do this in a way that's very exciting to get people plugged in. You can back up a couple of slides, actually. Go to... Uh, the one that has the different tracks on it. Nope. Has the four different colors. Is it on there? There it is. Good work, guys. All right, so what classes are we going to be offering is maybe the next question you have. And I'm so glad you asked that question because we have the answer for you right here. So we're going to offering, whenever we're in the discipleship classes cycle, these are the four types of classes that we're going to offer. We'll have a basics track, classes that teach you the basics about how to follow Jesus, a kind of a think of a new believers type class. I was talking to somebody in our church who I think became a believer later on in life and was at a part of a different church but just said, there's no way I would 
be where I am in my faith right now if I hadn't taken a new believers class. Like that just set me on the right path that I needed to go to take with my walk to the Lord. So I'm really excited about that. So for you, maybe that's you. Maybe you're like, I've fallen Jesus. I'm new to this. I don't really know what to do. This is going to be for you. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, but you still feel like I need to take this class to learn what does it actually mean to follow Jesus. There's that. We'll have tr- classes like that. The Bible track classes like how to study the Bible, different books of the Bible, help you grow deeper in your study of God's word. The family track, we're really excited about this one and talking about how do you equip your family to live a Deuteronomy 6 lifestyle, something that's really part of our culture here, and we'll tell you more about the different classes that will be offered there. And then the electives tracks, kind of a catch-all, but help you navigate what does it mean to walk the Christian life. And uh, we're just so excited for the many opportunities that this gives us. Last Sunday, because I wasn't preaching, I was able to hang out with the List Life group. And we uh, I spent an hour talking to them about the doctrine of election and predestination. We had a great time together. And it was wonderful. It's like, man, I wish we had more opportunities to do things like this. I'm so excited that we're going to have more opportunities for us all to take, play, take part in those kinds of things. So that's the what classes that we will be offering during that cycle. I hope you can see why we're just really excited about this, and I hope that you are committing even right now to being a part of this. We really want this to be not just a new program, but a culture shift in the way that discipleship takes place here at Rock Prairie Church. Just kind of like if you're on a sports team, it's a culture to Go to practice and you go to the games, right? I'm coaching three to five-year-old t-ball and they still come to practice and then go to the games, right? It's the same kind of thing. We want this to just be the culture of our church. You come to foundations at 9.15 and then you come to the service at 10.30. Just super excited about it. All right, this is a lot. And I'm sure you have many questions that are going on in your head and your different things you're curious about and I'm going to try to answer some of those questions it's not really frequently asked questions because nobody's asked them yet because we're just announcing them for the first time but these are maybe some questions that you have so you can go to that that slide that says what about and the first question is probably that you have as well what about first service that meets currently from 8 30 to 9 30 and we are going to be um we are going to be canceling first service, and this is going to take the place of first service. So right now, we have a small but mighty group that meets during first service in the fellowship hall, and it's been great. I've loved that time, but we feel like we need to uh, stop doing that service, a good thing to make way for something better. And so we will all be uh, gathering together for foundations at 915, and then all of us meeting together for worship at 1030, which I'm just truly excited about that as well, the potential for all of us to be together as a church. So all the, so first service will go through May 29th and then uh, after that we won't have first service anymore. Next question is probably a big one for many of you. What about current ministries? Right about the ministries that already happened. Are you just canceling everything? Yes. No. That was a joke. Just seeing if you're still paying attention. No, all the current ministries are going Did I give anyone a heart attack there? That's okay. Yeah, JR. I uh, current ministries are going to continue. This is not going to be any change to the current ministries. This is, you know how many poker chips you have, and that changes from season to season. So what we're asking you is to give one of those poker chips to the Foundation's Discipleship Hour at 915, where you'll be able to do the classes and you'll be able to do life groups. Hopefully, we're giving many of you back a poker chip to be able to use somewhere else because we're actually giving, if your life group already meets during a night of the week, we're actually giving you an extra night um, so hopefully that will then give you an opportunity to be a part of some other ministries that we have that are fantastic. Win- women's ministry or Every Man a Warrior or different things that um, are so important to our church that we want to continue. We want you to continue to be a part of those. So hear me say we value those things and we think they're, we want you to continue in those. We're asking you to give a poker ship 
to uh, Foundations Discipleship Hour. And if we hope you have more poker chips to give to these other ministries, but that's what we're asking. So I hope that makes sense. Now, all the other ministries of our church, we are extremely valuable, and they're going to continue. Next question you might be having, what if I like my current life group already? Well, that's great. You can stay with your life group. The only difference is going to be that during that life group cycle, we're going to ask you to meet here at the church at 9.15 to 10.15. If you have an amazing life group that says, we want to keep meeting on the off weeks that we're not doing life groups, and great, do that. That's fantastic. But we're just, the only change you might have to make is to meet during the life group cycle on Sunday mornings. Uh, we certainly can keep, stay in your life group. Well, what if I don't have a life group? Well, I'm glad you asked. How about that? Well, we'll get you plugged into a life group. That's going to be no problem at all. When the time comes, we'll help you more to get plugged in. But we're, again, we want this just to be the regular habit of our church, that all of us are coming to this at 915, as many as possible, and we're getting you plugged in, so you don't have to worry about that at all. And then I know I'm going long, and I know I'm talking fast, but here's the last question. It's a big one that all of you are wondering if you have young kids. What about my kids? <laughs> right? Who's wondering about that? Raise your hand. Be honest. Yeah. What am I going to do? I got little ones or some of you. I got grandkids. They're going to have to be here from 9.15 to, 10, to 11.45 is what you are saying. Um, and uh, here's where the rubber meets the road. I just got to be like gut level honest with you. If this is going to fail, this is how it's going to fail is if we are not prepared to disciple our kids for this time as well. So here's what we're convinced of. We need to have an opportunity for kids that not only can they participate in, but that our kids can't wait to participate in. Owen, our son, our five-year-old, is kicking us out the door every Wednesday night to get to Awana because he can't wait to get there. We want that same kind of thing to happen between 9.15 and 10.15 on a Sunday morning. So it needs to be something that our kids are excited about. If you're dragging your kids out to church on Sunday morning and it's miserable for everyone, it's just going to fail and it's not going to work. Let's be honest. We're in that very much in that stage. We understand that. Um, and I know many of you do as well. So what's, what about our kids? So it needs to be something they're excited about. It needs to be something that's different than what currently happens in Rock Prairie Kids because we got a bunch of amazing people who serve in Rock Prairie Kids already. We can't be handing them off a bunch of exhausted kids who can't hear another word of teaching, you know, starting at 1030. We can't be doing that either. So it needs to be something that's different, that's exciting. And then here's the key one, and here's, this is big. It needs to be something that we have different people than are currently serving in Rock Prairie Kids need to be serving in this because we can't have the same people who are serving Rock Prairie Kids also. We can't, just can't expect that out of them. And so here's where we have uh, just a really important thing. This is a cool opportunity to use your gifts to pour into the next generation in a way um, that uh, for many of these kids, they'll never forget. How many, how many, raise your hand if you remember the name of your Sunday school teacher as a kid growing up. You grew in the church. Many of you. We have the opportunity to do that. We need more people to serve in this way. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I didn't want to have a sign up today because I want this to be more than just, yeah, if you want to, if you're interested, sign up. I want every single one of you to commit to praying about whether or not you could serve in this way. What's it going to look like? How often? All those things. We got a lot to figure out before September. We're going to work all those things out. But I, what we need to do is to have enough people who are at least praying about, can I serve in this way? When uh, Emily and I first got married, we were going to College Park Church down in Indianapolis, and Emily's great with kids. She loves serving, and I was not good with kids at the time. And um, 
and uh, but we got plugged into the four-year-old Sunday school class, and I was terrified, and by, you know, a couple months in, I just loved it, and so you might be somebody who's like, I could never do that. You just never know, okay, and so I want every single one, can you nod your head if you're willing to commit to praying about, I see, you got to nod your head bigger so I can see, I'm not seeing many nods, okay, if you're willing to commit to praying about serving in this way, because again, if we can't make this work with the kids, it's just not, it's just going to all fall apart. I think we can all agree on that. And so this is a great opportunity, if you're not serving, to get plugged in in this way. But I just want you to pray about it. And I'm just going to trust that the Lord is going to move in enough hearts for us to make this happen. Amen? All right, one last question you might be asking, which is what classes are we going to start with? Well, that's, again, you're just asking so many great questions this morning. I'm amazed. That's where you guys come in. We have a couple surveys that, we have surveys that are going to be filled out right now uh, where we have a bunch of different options of different classes, potential classes. And I just want you to circle what your top four or so classes that you might be interested in taking starting in September so we can use this to kind of plan out what the classes are going to be. If there's something that's not on there that you've always wanted to learn more about, write it down. It's just something that we haven't thought about yet. So. Uh, I'm going to take a couple minutes here and do that, and then we are going to close in prayer. So after you fill that out, I'm going to invite the worship team up. Or close in, in worship, I'm going to invite the worship team up, and we'll sing one final song. Sound good? All right.